Hello, product innovators. Today we learn about the importance and strategies around product materials from the founder of a booming international product brand. This is the Product Startup Podcast, a show to learn from top leaders in hardware product development, prototyping, manufacturing, product selling, and everything in between. Hosted by Kevin Macko, the leading expert on product development for hardware startups. Welcome back, everyone. I'm very excited to introduce Kelly Thornton to the show. Kelly is the CEO of Tej Hanley, a direct-to-consumer menswear product brand that has sold over 16 million products in more than 100 countries. Today, Kelly will share valuable knowledge for inventors, startups, and small manufacturers on the importance of material selection for your new product, how to work with manufacturers on ensuring the best quality materials, and why materials are important to both your customers and your product business. Now, on to the episode. This show is produced by Mako Design, the original firm providing end-to-end consumer product development services tailored specifically to hardware startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Take your product from idea to store shelves at MakoDesign.com. Now, on to the episode. Hey, Kelly. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, we're looking forward today to talk about materials. And obviously, materials are a big part of any product, whether it's a consumer packaged good or an electronics product or just a household tool. Everything comes down to the actual materials that your product's made with. Those materials compose through to make your parts, and your parts are what make the product. So materials are really important and often overlooked, especially by a newer hardware startup. So today, we're going to talk about materials, why they're important, and how to make sure that you're manufacturing of those materials is done correctly and how to make sure that you're doing an audit and review of those materials processes and the actual output of those materials into your real product itself to make sure that you're on track so your customers get the best possible product. Before we jump into all of that, just give us a bit of a background of your 30-year history in the manufacturing space. Yeah. I mean, I started in Newark, New Jersey in the packaging business. So We were making industrial packaging, point of purchase displays, retail, physical hardware, retail displays. And I was in that space for over 20 years before I started a global in-store design and strategy company. It was really a strategy design focused company. Out of that company, I actually did create some physical hardware, which I have some patents on that are time stamped weight censored data that helps retailers and brand people understand the velocity of products being sold at retail off the shelves so they can measure the performance of certain stimulus such as messaging and colors and packaging and offers that are being sold at retail. After that, I founded Tiege Hanley, men's skincare brand. We're a DTC global skincare brand. We focus on healthy skincare routines for men, and we ship our products around the world. That's amazing. And obviously a major success story. You're shipping to over 100 countries every month. I think you mentioned that you had just shipped your 16 millionth actual unit of products that sell in these kits. So eight products per kit, per box, over 2 million boxes sold. That's a huge success as a uh, CPG brand. Thank you very much. We hand-delivered that box to a gentleman named... Blake. I went with my business partners down to Atlanta and had an opportunity to spend an hour with him talking about how he develops healthy habits in his life. That's amazing. What a story. So let's dig into that because obviously materials are a big part of what makes your product great. But for anybody with their physical consumer product, 
no matter what type of product it is, the materials are a critical element of it. So today we're talking specifically about materials and how to make sure that it's done right. Let's just talk big picture in the beginning here. What are we talking about when we talk product materials? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a strategic decision that needs to be made way up front about your materials. I had this conversation with my business partners and our chemists, the people that develop our products that are part of our company about really what we want to be known as. Do we want to be known as innovators that use the best products that are the most efficacious? Or do we just want some really good product in a bottle that we can be very good marketers at? We chose to have ingredients and materials as a strategic asset of our business. And what we mean by that is that we think that materials are critical to having very good products and controlling those materials all the way down to the inky number, which is the actual name of the actual component, chemical name of the component is something that was really important to our business. Not only because we want to have really good product, but we also wanted to make sure that we could control consistency and control our supply. So let's talk about control and consistency and supply. Uh, that obviously comes down to quality. So talk a bit about how you ensure that the quality of your materials is there and really what makes up quality. What yeah. is that? What does that word mean in the framework of materials? Yeah, it's interesting. Early on, we were not, myself and my business partners were not chemists. So we do make you know a product that goes on your skin. We did not understand chemistry. Our background's more on the marketing side of the business. We brought a chemist in as a business partner. And our chemist is a very technical man who really understands the chemistry of ingredients and understands how ingredients and chemistry goes about having delivering results. When we started shopping, and what I mean by that is having our products made by manufacturers. A lot of manufacturers came back to us and said, you have Ferrari formulas. There's no really reason to have this level of detail and this level of efficacy at these percentages of active ingredients in your formulas. No one's really going to know. For us, it was really critical that we had very efficacious product. As I mentioned, that was a strategic decision early on that we wanted to have very good product. So getting down to the actual breakdown of the ingredient and calling out the ingredient at the manufacturer's level, saying that we want this component produced from this vendor was really important to us and the way we thought about our business. That's so important to actually put that together before you're even reaching out to the manufacturers, or at least at a minimum in conjunction with the manufacturers. So you can consider these things and ensure that the product materials that you have match the desired output that you want for the actual product. Don't let your manufacturer decide what they think your business model is. Correct. You are the one that decides your business model. And we talk about it a lot on the show because quite often in product development, especially in hardware development, especially the more complicated product, people want to essentially get something to a certain design level and then hopefully send it over to the manufacturer for them to solve a number of your problems. Right. Well, we know that from the mechanical engineering, electronic engineering, industrial design side of things, that's not what manufacturers are made for. Manufacturers really just do three key things. They make parts to specification on time and on budget. The better the manufacturer, the more reliable they are on those three criteria. So what they don't do is they don't design your product. 
And we're not just talking the physical elements here or the actual mechanical or electronic elements. We're also talking the underlying materials and the formulas that go into those materials. And I thought that's really interesting about what you guys were trying to do is you built in all of that design engineering, understanding of what you wanted the product. So you could then approach the manufacturer and just say, can you do these three things? Get us a great quality product specification on time and on budget. Yeah, that's correct. The only overlay I would say to that is selecting materials that your contract manufacturers can work with all have specific strengths and weaknesses in terms of machinery and chemistry and things of that nature. So, you know, making sure that they're on board with what the selection process that that you made in your materials, uh, helping them understand why you made those decisions and why that's important to your business, I think is really important. And then to the extent that they could lend their expertise and making sure that things can be replicated in the exact way that you want it is really an important part of the partnership. Most businesses call that a tech transfer. We spend hours and hours and hours in the lab formulating our own ingredients and our own materials and making the product exactly how we want the product to be. Viscosity, color, feel, smell, texture, on and on and on. And so when we get to the manufacturing process, We want to make sure that we're working really hand in hand with a manufacturer or several manufacturers that can replicate that and we help them through the process. I like that you mentioned that feedback loop too, because it isn't exactly set in stone uh, exactly where that transfer takes place. So it's always helpful as you're developing your theories and your models and your details from everything from design to the engineering to the materials that's going into it, et cetera. You've got your initial theories, but then of course, they do have experience on the production side of things. That experience can sometimes alter or change the way that you see your product to be made. But at least you go in there with an initial presentation of what you want. And then when they push back on it, it's up to you to decide whether that pushback is relevant advice or whether that pushback is for an interest that really isn't core to your brand's vision. Yeah, I love that. And you know, taking that just one little step further, you know, you really need to be clear about owning IP and who owns IP and what happens when you make slight changes to things to make a manufacturer or make the manufacturer get them to the point where you're really happy with the product. So having that all laid out ahead of time is really critical. You don't, unfortunately, you do need to be mindful that if your IP changes a little bit based on a contract manufacturer's input, then there is a question about who owns that IP. And depending on the industry you're in, it can be it can be gray area. So work that out up front. Yep, that's a great tip. You might as well have that in the contract that you own the IP, you own the rights to it. And if there's pushback on that for whatever reason from the other side, then understand why that is. And it better exactly. be for a good reason. Otherwise, if this is your product and this is your baby, you better own that IP. Let's move on and talk a bit about quality and what that means to your actual customer. What was the reason that you focused on ensuring that the materials quality was to the level that it was? Like, why did you actually do that as a conscious decision for your brand relating to your customer? Yeah, we discussed early on, do we want our product to be highly efficacious or do we want to be organic or natural? These type of things. So it was really, it was really about very early on, it was a strategic decision about how we wanted to present ourselves as a company to our customers, what we thought the solution that the marketplace was looking for and where we felt we as T. Shanley, a skincare company, where we would fit into the market, what area segment of the market did we want to play in? 
We knew that we didn't want to be like considered an all natural type of brand that wasn't really, you know, that wasn't important to us. It wasn't the primary importance to us. The primary importance to us was that we wanted great results in our product. So we did focus on getting to a point of having the most efficacious ingredients on the market. And that was very critical early on in our development of our products. And it was because we knew for our company, we're a subscription-based company. We make a lot of our revenue on subscription. We knew that if our products worked very well, then that would allow us to have people continue to be involved and buy our products over time. So we really went hardcore into high quality ingredients, high actives at a high percentage rate in our product. And that was a very strategic decision early on. And I, I can hear my chemist, Stephen, saying to me, and this was eight, nine years ago, do you want your products to be natural or do you really want them to work? We can make sure we use some natural ingredients, but if you really want to make them work, we have to use cutting edge technology. That's great. Now, I imagine you put all this effort into making sure that these materials were the best of the best. Presumably, you're using that work in your marketing efforts. Yeah, that's interesting. We do talk a lot about the science. We do talk a lot about hexyl peptide eight and retinol and different versions of vitamins A, vitamin B these type of ingredients. We talk about ingredients a lot. There's a certain customer that is very interested in understanding, and surprisingly, it's even geographical to some degree, understanding the ingredients, the impact in ingredients, the level of active ingredients percentages, which we don't share with our customers. There's a segment of, of customers that are really interested in that. There's also a lot of customers that just care about whether or not it works, and that's all they care about. So it depends on the type of customer and how deep they go. Today's American consumer isn't in the same level yet. We're getting there in terms of concerned about what you put on your skin, what you put in your body as like, for instance, the European customers. We go through much more rigorous consumer product safety testing, compatibility, stability, RIPT, which is a rapid patch test on skin to make sure that we're compliant globally. Our global compliant requirements are much more stringent than our US today. But those are things that are very, very important that we are constantly looking at in our business. Uh, that's great. I mean, that's amazing that you see this from a worldwide perspective, but know that typically on a global scale, people are getting more interested in the quality of their products. And it's not just the function, it may go deeper into well, how is it actually made in order to satisfy that function. But no matter what way you look at it, the quality of materials is better than almost certainly the quality of the output or the desired result is going to be better of the product itself. So all these things kind of go hand in hand, really pushing the quality brand. One of the things we talk about a lot on the show is, especially as a new hardware startup, you're creating something proprietary, something innovative, something special. Typically, you're designing it as a newly designed product, because you're developing it recently. So it's modern, it's sexy. One of those themes that is also very prevalent is quality. So when people see a new brand, they want to understand the product that has been created for them is world-class in terms of the quality that they're expecting from a new proprietary special project. So if you're looking at your kind of cost-benefit analysis, especially as a new product brand, you're always better to push more towards quality 
and less towards cost savings, especially in the beginning until you you know hit that critical mass where you can really start making very sound decisions on if it's worth it to sacrifice quality in order to lower the cost. And typically the answer is no, especially for an emerging brand. It's all about your yeah. brand value and it's a lot easier to be quality and, and bring your brand down than to start with a low quality product, get that reputation and then try and increase the quality at a later date. It's, it's very yeah, brand damaging. It, it'll never happen that way. The latter um, does not happen. You always need to start with the highest quality ingredients, materials, processes, and over time, figure out how to value engineer that into uh, whether it's through scale, whether it's through innovation and new technologies that you can bring your cost down, but still maintain the same level of quality. The one thing I will say, you know, everybody knows this, if, if you're starting a business, you're pushing for quality and you're pushing for material costs, which we do at our company, that are very expensive. There needs to be a clear business case. If you ask me, it should be an immediate need within your organization to have a high enough margin and a large enough total addressable market for that product at that price point, or you're going to run into trouble quickly. You need to make sure that you've got the margins to afford the quality and the marketplace that's willing to pay for it, that's large enough to support the growth of your business. Love it. I mean, that's such an important part to business, especially new products, new innovative products. You are doing something that is arguably better than what is out there now. So you should be able to charge more and you should be able to have those margins, assuming that it is truly something that people want, especially the new innovative product. But if you design it to modern standards, you focus on quality, over cost savings, you do a really good job at learning what the customer wants and fulfilling that need through your product. That's how brands are built. And we're talking to Kelly right now who did this very thing and has created a large product brand shipping all over the world now with this exact concept that we're talking about on the show. Kelly, before I let you go, can you just give us a quick rundown of what you guys are doing at Tej as a business and where people can find out more about, yeah. about the product? We're thinking about routines for men and we're in this larger health ecosystem. <clears throat> you know, Kevin, everybody's talking about the importance of maintaining your health, right? And that's your physical health, your mental health. And why do we want to do that? And watching what we eat and watching what, what we sleep, make, getting enough sleep, going to the doctors regularly. Skincare is a small part of it. So a healthy routine you get the right number of sleep, you stick to a routine, you get up in the morning, you go and you work out, you get to work, you do the things that you want to do to make yourself the best person you can be. Um, we're, we play a very small part. We're helping men in the morning at night, wash their face and use a, a skincare products, which we've just talked about extensively, lead to great results. Your skin looks good. You feel good about yourself and you're out there to kick ass. And why do you want to do that? Because it's important for us men, and I'm, 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 we sell men's skincare, so I know you, you have women listeners, but I'm speaking to our clients. It's important as men to take care of ourselves because we want to be the best we can be for our families, for ourselves, for our children, so that we can be as productive as possible. Taking care of yourself and creating healthy skincare routines is the first place to start. Love the vision. Love the messaging as well. Where can folks go on the web to buy the product? Yeah, go to teach.com. Actually, we have a very good offer for your listeners. If they want to go to, to teach.com backslash product startup podcast, 
There's a phenomenal, I think our best offer ever of the year is there right now. It's teach.com backslash product startup podcast. But look for me on LinkedIn. It's Kelly Thornton. I talk about business and I am very interested in helping people to the extent that I can. Got a lot of years of experience and I'm in the pay it forward time of my life. So I'd really be more than happy to help out and answer any questions I can. Kelly, much appreciated for all your words of wisdom today. And as always, I will put the links in the show notes below for anyone who wants to click through. Kelly, thanks again. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Kevin. Have a good day. Thank you and take care. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast. If you found some value in the show, please do us a huge favor and hit the like button and subscribe. If you have any questions, guest suggestions, or anything else, feel free to reach out to us anytime at our email, podcast at macodesign.com. This show is hosted by Kevin Mako, North America's leading expert on product development for hardware startups. And the podcast is produced by Mako Design, the original firm providing end-to-end consumer product development services tailored specifically to hardware startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Take your product from idea to store shelves at makodesign.com. That's M-A-K-O design.com. Thanks for joining and see you again soon.